Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast where we believe in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And this year, for the month of October leading up to Halloween, we are going to be deciding what the best horror movie with a strong female character is. I am your host, Mike, and speaking of strong female characters, uh, unfortunately, my wife, Nikki, who was supposed to be hosting tonight, uh, came down with a little bit of stomach bug. She was really looking forward to being here. Uh, she's hoping she'll be here in a couple of episodes, but until then, you're stuck with me, so I'm sorry about that. But don't worry. After this little intro, you won't hear much from me. You're going to hear a lot more from this really excellent group of panelists that we've assembled. We've got a combination of some of our regulars, some of our special guests, and I can't wait to hear from all of them. So let's meet them in the order that they're going to speak tonight. Uh, we'll start with the man that longtime listeners are all too familiar with. Chris, how are you doing tonight and what you drinking? Mike, I am doing well. I'm very freaking excited for this. This is going to be a blast. As you know, I love horror movies. Uh, I got to put this bracket together with one of our other uh, panelists here, Isabel, and we're going to have a really, really, really good time. Uh, I am actually off of my cleanse. I went 30 days without having a drink, and I'm celebrating tonight with a, uh, actually a growler from Graysale uh, Brewing. Graysale is a brewery up in Westerly, Rhode Island. This beer was so good when I was in Rhode Island that I got a growler full of it, kept it refrigerated, and drove it all the way back here to Clearwater, Florida. This is a porter from Graysale. It is the Dave's Coffee Porter. Dave's is a local coffee shop. They have one location in uh, outside of Westerly, and they have partnered with Graysale to make this amazing porter. This might be the best porter I have ever had. It was so damn good. I bought this growler and tailed it all the way back here, and it's been in my fridge for over a freaking month because I haven't been allowed to drink. But I, I've got a, I've got my glass, and I'm good to go. My gosh, dude, that sounds absolutely amazing. You know how much I love coffee porters. I wish I could be there and join it with you. Oh, you'd love this, man. It's really good. <sighs> and actually, we switched places tonight, Chris. I forgot to mention, I'm riding the bourbon train tonight. Woo-woo! Yep. Uh, I decided uh, because uh, Woodford and Woodsboro from Scream are very close in my head, <laughs> I decided to bust out the Woodford Reserve Double Oaked tonight. So that is what I am drinking Uh I feel like Chris is you've had this on the podcast quite a few times before. That is my uh, favorite. This is just a it's so it's so good. Oh my gosh. It is my favorite readily available bourbon. Like it's a fifty dollar bottle everywhere you go, and you're really not going to get a better bourbon that you can just walk into any any liquor store and get. It is the best out there, in my opinion. Definitely. It's fant fantastic. Uh but uh, Chris mentioned his partner in crime uh, in terms of developing this bracket, and she's going to be our second panelist this evening. Uh, we have Isabel with us. Uh, how are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? And tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do when you're not chatting horror movies with us. Hi, my day's been pretty good. Um, what I do when I'm not chatting horror movies is uh, teach writing and composition, so that's what I've been doing all day. So I'm happy to uh, be hanging out with you guys, mixing it up, and doing something a little different. Tonight, I'm drinking whiskey. I don't know what kind it is, because um, it's in a decanter from my bar, and I don't remember what I put in there. So <laughs> it's some kind of whiskey. And then as a backup, I have a aged cocktail that I made, I don't a couple months ago. 
so it's some kind of whiskey aged cocktail and I figured that would go pretty good. Um, last time I hung out um, with pub trivia, I was drinking a beer from Bad Brewing, the pub down the street and forgot to get one. So I've got the backup here with the whiskey. whiskey that's right. That's backup. right. It's a pretty uh, yeah, backup. Last time when uh, Isabel came on the pub trivia experience, uh, I, as I recall, uh, she beat me pretty soundly. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the few a few of those questions close. I'd love to have it was back. Close but in the end. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, but while we're on the subject of people who have uh, experience, and in this case, a lot of experience with beating me soundly in trivia, uh, our next panelist this evening is going to be Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing wonderful this evening. It's been a few brackets since I've been on. You've all been making some horrible choices. I'm here to correct the mistakes. Thank goodness. We need somebody to keep us in line. You drink, drinking anything tonight? Yep. I'm about ready here to crack open a delicious, refreshing Guarana Antarctica Diet, which is a beverage that I guarantee you haven't had because I literally import this soda from Brazil. But I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like a black cherry ginger ale is what it tastes like. And I, I just love it. Interesting. But Interesting. literally, you have to import it from Brazil. That explains why I've never heard it. Heard of it. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm glad you were there to get the uh, good old can cracking noise in. We need at least one per cast, I think. And I'm very excited to introduce our last two panelists. They are from the Dead Girls Talking podcast. Uh, we're going to have Jenna and Minda, and we will be starting with Jenna. We'll be our fourth panelist this evening. Uh, tell us about yourselves and your podcast. Hello, I am one half of Dead Girls Talking. My name's Jenna, um, and it is a little bit of everything show um, about spooky things, uh, death, special effects, um, strange events, pop culture, uh, spooky things. I think if I had to like sum it up, but, um, I am a horror movie fan and a special effects artist. So that's, uh, that's my stake in all this. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. And Minda, what about yourself? I'm the second half of Dead Girls Talking. I'm actually a mortician and I teach at the, well, I don't teach. I'm the anatomical donation manager at the only funeral school in the state of North Carolina. And I'm also a radio on-air personality, believe it or not. So those are my two day jobs. And Jen and I are both comedians on the side. Really? That sounds cool. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> we don't make a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of work <laughs> to say that we hustle a lot for very little. Thank you yeah. for having us on your show. <laughs> no, it's our, our, it is our pleasure to have you, uh, and I'm really excited to see what what everybody's opinions are about some of these. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure personally how m many I would be familiar with, but uh, looking through this list, I actually uh, I think some of these could be really interesting discussions. So I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody has to say. Uh, just to recap uh, for our new panelists uh, who are less familiar with the show and any listeners who might be joining us for the first time. Uh, we have for you a 64 movie, in this case, March Madness-style bracket. All of these movies are horror movies with strong female characters, and we are going to go through the matchups one at a time, starting with in just a minute here with the 116 seed, and we're going to – each panelist is going to get their chance to make their case for which one they think is the better movie and cast their vote accordingly. 
and whoever gets the most votes is going to move on to the next round. It's that simple. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, before we get started real quick, uh, Chris and Isabel, I was, did you all want to say anything about how you put this bracket together, what your methodology was, how you chose the seedings or anything like that? Yeah, so uh, Isabel and I kind of went back and forth on, on listing out a bunch of movies, the movies that we felt like were seminal, that had to be on this list. Um, and they really kind of ran the gamut of, in this case, from like 1930 to last freaking year. Uh, and there's a lot of really, really solid, solid horror movies on this list. And then there's movies like The Skeleton Key for some <laughs> unknown reason. I hate that movie. You're going to hear more about it later. Um, I love that movie. I'm sorry. I will defend that movie. You can defend that movie all you want. It's terrible. <laughs> sorry. We're going to get into this later. Uh, Isabel, what were the, you had a couple that were just real sticklers that you had to have on here. Talk to us about a couple of those that we're going to talk about later. Um, well, Babadook, that's one of my favorites. That's a, it's a go-to one for me. The Exorcist, another favorite. Um, well, I don't want to give them all away. Right. People will know what I'm going <laughs> to nope. pick. That's true, that's true. That that that's okay. We'll we'll definitely be getting into them re really soon. So I I know that looking at looking ahead towards the more recent movies, there were some movies that I had never heard of, and I'll be really uh, intrigued to find out a little bit more about them and uh, what makes them so great and how they made their list. Uh, we have four regions, uh, is how we've organized this, just like your standard March Madness bracket, and the regions are going to be your pre 1980 movies. 1980s and 90s movies, 2000s movies, and then 2010 onward. Uh, tonight, we are going to be starting at the beginning, as it were. We're going to be in our pre-1980 region, and we are going to kick it off with Chris. Chris, your first matchup is going to be between the number one seed, 1979's Alien, versus another 1979 movie, the 16th seed, The Amityville Horror. Take it away. The Amityville, the Amityville. This is how little I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, um, we've got some new guests here, so I want to make this abundantly clear. Do not fuck up the first pick. <laughs> Amityville horror is, I guess it's fine. I'm not a, I'm not an Amity, Amityville horror fan. Uh, there's other haunted house stories that are better to watch. I would go back and watch a million times before I ever go back to watch Amityville horror. Uh, one of them I fought to have on this list, and it didn't get didn't make the list because I couldn't justify. It, is a movie called The Innkeepers. If you haven't seen The Innkeepers? Go watch that. You don't have a female fronted horror movie list or a female strong female character horror movie list without Alien, without Ripley, without a movie in which the main character's gender is not revealed in the script. They cast the perfect person for, it, and Sigourney Weaver plays this to a freaking T. Now, Alien is really kind of hard, is really kind of easy to dismiss because after Alien, they went more into that action sci-fi type of genre. You know, Aliens, Alien 3 and all that. Alien is a straight up horror movie, and it's one of the best ones ever made. So please, for the love of God, move Alien along. And I believe that was a vote for Alien. Chris casts his vote for Alien, uh, which I was fairly certain was coming. Uh, Isabel, what do you have to say about it? Well, I'm not going to fuck this one up because um, I'm for Alien, um, but uh, Chris did not mention the most important reason, um, the cat. There's a cat, and that's pretty pivotal to the success of this movie. Um, 
it's in a spaceship, which is always awesome. And there's lots of like tense quiet. So, I mean, it really is the cat that, that makes it. And of course that it's unexpected and an alien pops out of someone and, uh, Amityville, it's cool. There's a secret room. There's a trip to the library, but we got to go with alien. And Alien does pick up its second vote. If I, if memory serves, the cat's name is Jonesy. And the reason I remember that is because I missed a trivia question about it, uh, which Stephen might remember because he got that one right. And it's your turn to speak, Stephen. What do you say? I actually didn't get that one right. I was the one who wrote that. And I wrote that question. That's what it was. I fucking love Alien. Alien <laughs> is an almost perfect movie. Chris is right. It's a haunted house movie in space. And that solves the biggest problem with haunted house movies, namely the question, why don't they leave the goddamn haunted house? You can't. It's space. You're stuck there. Uh, Amityville Horror is a movie I detest because uh, the real story of the Amityville Horror is involving Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are lying McGliers who lie a lot to get money from suckers. Uh, I believe Conjuring's on this list later, so I'll go into that more. But it doesn't hold a candle to Alien. Alien is an almost perfect movie if it wasn't for that one shot be a perfect movie so alien all the way for me and alien picks up its third vote and in true number one seed fashion is dominating this matchup it will be moving on to the next round but we still want to hear from jenna the amityville horror is cool and all but i think the real story behind the amityville horror is so much better than either of the movies even that second shirtless ryan reynolds one so i think hands down we have to give it to alien it's uh, Ridley Scott's original uh, pro-choice manifesto. So, yeah. And even a shirtless Ryan Reynolds can't take uh, Alien down as it picks up its fourth vote. Minda, do we have a sweep? We have a sweep. I'll go with Alien. I love Alien. I love Sigourney Weaver. And also the cultural impact pop culturally from the moment that that movie premiered all the way up until now is still resounding. You know, you see references to Alien all over the place. Amityville, and I do love the Warrens. They give me a lot to talk about on my other show, but I have to go with Alien on this one. There's the cat. <laughs> and Alien does pick up its fifth vote and the sweep. Uh, personally, uh, because of my first pop culture reference to Alien that I ever experienced, I always expect the Alien to put on, suddenly put on a little hat and start dancing, singing, hello, my baby, hello. <laughs> Spaceballs, anyone? No. I got all you. Right. I got you. Thank, thank, thank you, Chris, for for the pity laugh there. Uh, Alien will be moving on to the next round, and it will be facing one of these two movies. We have the 8 seed, 1976's Carrie, going up against the 9 seed, Suspiria from 1977. And first up this time, we're going to be hearing from Isabel. I'm going with Suspiria um, because it's so atmospheric and intense, and the music is scary. And I love 1970s Italian horror. And it's just so weird and visually complicated. And the story's, story's pretty good. That's what I got. <laughs> Sounds good. Suspiria picking up its first vote as we head over to Stephen. I really do enjoy the collected works of one Stephen King. Uh, Carrie is his first novel. That's why, why we have Stephen King today uh, is because of Carrie. But the movie, and frankly the book, is a snorefest until you get to the final act. There is nothing going on in Carrie. It's it's just boring. It's a boring, boring movie without actors very engaging. Uh, Suspiria is not my favorite film of all time, but it does have that weird 
70s Italian surrealist thing going on, and this use of colors is so expensive. It, it's it's an interesting watch. It's a fantastic watch. I recommend if you're not into like foreign films, this is a really good way to get into it because it's at least going to captivate you with the way it looks. So for cinematography alone and the fact that Gary is very boring for four-fifths of the film, Suspiria gets my vote. And Suspiria, the slight underdog, is out to a two-vote lead. Let's see if Jen is going to put it away or if Carrie has still got some legs. actually going to step in and defend Carrie here. Um, my mother is extremely religious, so for me, Carrie is the more atmospheric horror film. Um, Suspiria, artsy, it has merit. Carrie opens up with like menstrual horror. So, I mean, if you're going to, if this is a female led bracket, I think, I think I have to give it to Carrie for like uniquely female issues and like just visceral. And Carrie with the factor is picking up a vote as we head to Minda next. All the way with Carrie. You absolutely cannot go wrong with Carrie. I'm sorry about the other one, but this is Stephen King, menstruation trauma. We've all been there. Come on. Sissy Spacek, Carrie, 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 all the way Carrie. Also, the phrase dirty pillows, that's the worst boob euphemism I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> we're, still li- we're still living in that town. Uh, yeah, I got to agree with you there. As wow. uh, Carrie picks up its second vote, pulling to a two to two tie with Suspiria. And before we hand this off to Chris, uh, here at Boozy Bracketology, whenever we have a two to two tie going to the final panelists, we give any of the panelists who have already spoken the opportunity to throw up what we call a buzzer beater. Uh, you only get to log one per round uh, at most, and it's an opportunity for you to make one final pitch for the movie of your choice. Uh, does anybody want to step in and try and persuade Chris one way or the other on this matchup? I used mine. It's Dirty Pillows. I'm just going to say we've all been like scared of the prom. And that fear is based in something. <laughs> that is a very sound and succinct buzzer beater there. Chris, take it away. I don't have a vagina, so I'm not sure I can have an opinion. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, there's a there's a director out there by, by the name of Darren Aronofsky who did a couple of really, really interesting movies before he went batshit crazy and made Noah and then Mother and just it goes on from there. But he did two movies back to back. Those movies were The Wrestler and Black Swan. And the reason he did those two movies back to back is because he said, point blank, that he wanted to take the highest form of art and the lowest form of art. And they originally started as one film. It was originally supposed to be Black Swan and the Wrestler as one movie where a ballerina dancer and a wrestler are are together. And they're trying to make a relationship work. Now, with that being said, the lowest form, a lot of people continue, and I, I, I hate this, but people say the lowest form of cinema is horror movies, and I think that's bullshit, but a lot of people say that. But when you marry the lowest form, quote-unquote, of cinema with this, this, this giallo movement coming out of Italy and coming out of, out of that portion of Europe at the time, you get this elegant horror movie that is, one, genuinely scary, atmospheric as hell, but it is, in my opinion, just the epitome of what I would want a movie out of that time period to be. I agree with Steven. Again, I don't have a vagina, so I don't really have a a whole lot to say in in weighing in as far as like the the cultural impact to me. But 
Carrie was boring, guys. I'm sorry. Up until the until they actually get to prom, Carrie was boring. Now, with that being said, I didn't go to prom. I skipped prom and went to Blockbuster Video, and that actually might have been the night I rented Suspiria. It might have been. We don't know. <laughs> but, no, I, I've got to give this to Suspiria. Dario Argento's masterpiece is a phenomenal film. It's a seminal movement in horror movies, and not enough people have seen it. It really is a phenomenal tapestry of interwoven layers of film, and I, I love it. I genuinely love that movie. And we had a bit closer matchup that time than the first matchup, but Suspiria does eke out the narrow upset three to two. We're going to head next to our 12-5 matchup. We'll see. There's usually one of these upsets in every March Madness bracket and usually one in every Boozy Bracketology bracket. Let's see if it's going to be this one. Our number five seed is Rosemary's Baby. Coming out in 1968. And our number 12 seed is Black Christmas from 1974. And we're going to start off with Steven. First of all, how did we create a list uh, where Chris was part of the generation and Black Christmas was a 12 seed? That's the most impressive thing about this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, he got really, really mad at me on the Christmas back at last year when I, I, I got rid of Black Christmas and um, I don't feel bad about that at all because Black Christmas was not the best movie there and it's not the best movie here Rosemary's Baby is a great movie it's true atmospheric horror because it, it, it just I don't know it, it grips you it keeps you there uh, I, the director's a monster but I still have to support the film because the film is great um, yeah uh, Rosemary's Baby all the way and Rosemary's Baby picks up a, a vote. Jenna, you're next. This is not even a fair matchup. In my opinion, Black Christmas is affectionately kind of a dog shit movie, and Rosemary's Baby is one of the best movies ever made. And a lot of the credit goes to Ira Levine, and he doesn't get it. That's the novelist. The film follows the novel very, very closely. Um, I think we can all honestly just keep Roman Polanski's name out of our mouths. Rosemary's Baby is a masterpiece. Rosemary's Baby picking up a second vote as we head to Minda. I'm going to go against the grain. I, everybody knows that Rosemary's Baby is great, but it was kind of slow. I know it's atmospheric horror, but it was like the slowest satanic date rape movie ever. Uh, the book, different because you're building it up in your head, but the movie, eh, less so. So I'm thrown in for the Canadian Black Christmas slasher film. It's like a thrift store find. Black Christmas not going down without a fight as it picks up a vote. Let's see if it can keep the momentum going. Chris. So this is actually, for me, a very interesting choice because both of these movies have been far more influential, I think, than we really anticipated it happening when they came out. Rosemary's Baby is atmospheric horror at its peak, but you don't get the versions of Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Scream. I know what you did last summer. Go through the American slasher genre. You don't get any of that without Black Christmas. Anyone who's a Black Christmas fan can't hear a rocking chair rocking above them without going, oh, holy shit. Like that scene is in is it's just it's forever ingrained in my mind. Both these movies are influential. And where I have to kind of cut the line is here, and this is gonna shock some people. If I'm going to watch a atmospheric horror movie, if I'm going to watch a demonic possession or something similar to that type of a movie, I am more apt to throw in Rosemary's Baby than I am to watch an American slasher to throw in Black Christmas. I love 
Black Christmas. That movie is amazing. It's creepy as hell to this day. And it's a really good mirror of low. It's a it's a very low budget film. But the, the way they're able to get the soundtrack and the, the sound effects to work with the actors and the performances is top notch. It's phenomenal. But Rosemary's Baby is a masterpiece. The end of that movie where it, it marriages. I'm sorry, I'm going over on my time. I'm sorry. But it marriages demonic horror possession with gaslighting in a way that's just freaking insane to the point where at the end, she's like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> Devil's kid, let's go. Boo! No, Rosemary's Baby is the perfect, one of the perfect atmospheric horror movies that they said, but it's so much more than that because it's so cleverly written. It's so well-directed. It still holds up to this day as being creepy as hell. Rosemary's Baby gets my vote. And that certainly did surprise me because I absolutely thought we were setting ourselves up for another buzzer beater. But Rosemary's Baby does pick up a third vote and we'll be moving on over Black Christmas. Isabel, what do you think about these two? Uh, I was going to go with Rosemary's Baby. Um, I have to say that I saw Black Christmas at uh, drive-ins when it first came out and um, did not think it was that scary, even though I was a kid. But I do love it anyway. Um, But I got to go with Rosemary's Baby. Partly because the way that the story unfolds is it it starts at one size and then as the story moves along, it gets bigger and bigger and there are more and more people involved. And um, I find that really compelling. And also my take on the end is pretty similar to what Chris said, only I also think that by the end, she realizes that she owns them all now and they thought that they owned her. So, so yeah, yeah. Rosemary's Baby. That sound you heard was my mind blowing. Holy shit. Yeah. I wish I wish all of our listeners could have seen Chris's jaw drop when she said that. Uh, no, that's a that's a phenomenal take. And Rosemary's Baby is going to pick up its fourth vote. We'll be moving on to the next round. Will it be facing another demonic possession movie or will it be facing a slasher movie? Because we got another pairing of those in this next matchup. We've got the number four seed of the original Halloween from 1978. It's going to be taking on the 13th seed of The Omen from 1976. Let's see, where are we at? I believe we're starting with Jenna this time. This is a tough one for me. The Omen has so many strong female leads. There's that poor senator's wife that gets beaten to heck by the little boy. There's the creepy nanny. There's the dog carcass that they find in the box at the end. A lot of women in the omen. Uh, But Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, that that was genre-defining, and it was shot on such a shoestring budget. It's such a simple story, but it's held up so well, and it was the precursor to so many things. I think we got to give it to Halloween. Halloween picking up its first vote. Minda, do you agree? I agree based on the fact. Well, you know, she's right. It is. It was the foundation for American slasher stuff moving on. However, I do believe the omen um, is very, you know, I'm a parent, so I get it. Like I, you know, that, Mm. that is true. That could all happen. I have children, but I'm going back to Halloween. I'm giving it to Halloween. (laughs) And Halloween picks up its second vote. Yeah. Uh, if you ever catch, we, we had this moment with our daughter last night when you catch her looking up at the camera at just the, at just the right angle and the light hits her eyes and it's dark and she looks possessed. It just happened last night. I told my wife that, that, that 
this was they the exact like moment, uh, movie that I thought of the omen was, but Halloween does pick up its second vote and we're going back starting at the top with Chris. Okay. So this may not be fair. Um, I have not seen the omen since Paige was born. <laughs> so I, the, the tie back to children, I don't have that right now. I'm sorry. You know what I have seen since Paige was born? Cause I watch it every damn year. It damn right. It's the original Halloween. That movie is for for the budget it has and the time period it's in is near perfection. That score is iconic. It's so iconic that each iteration of Halloween since then has that score. I am looking forward to Halloween Kills. I am looking forward to the next sequel after that for Halloween. I am looking forward to Jamie Lee Curtis back and kicking ass. I love Halloween more now. Maybe this may not be fair again, but I love Halloween more, a little bit more now because of the way Jamie Lee Curtis portrayed Laurie Strode in the version that came out three years ago. That character has come full circle. That is Carol from The Walking Dead over 40 years, <laughs> where it's just, just a freaking badass. And like she showed, she was fearful, but she showed a, a love for the kids and a love. For, I love it. No, Halloween, 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 Halloween should move on. It is a masterpiece of filmmaking from American cinema, and I love it. And Halloween is moving on as it picks up its third vote. Uh, let's hear what Isabel has to say about this matchup. Halloween all the way for all the reasons. And Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome. That's it. <laughs> Yep. No, I I don't know that, that a whole lot more needs to be said. I I think that is an excellent way to put it. Uh, Halloween picks up its fourth vote. Steven, do we have a sweep on our hands? Yeah, we absolutely have a sweep here. I mean, Halloween is it, Black Friday or Black Christmas. Black Friday. Black Christmas may have been the first slasher film, but Halloween's the one that's defined it. It's the one that everyone's been trying to copy ever since. Michael Myers is the ultimate slasher villain. He's better than all the other ones, including all subsequent versions of Michael Myers. Um, it's Halloween all the way. The Omen looks great. I, I, I like Dick Donner. I think he makes great films, but he just got a terrible matchup here. There was no way anything was going to take out the Halloween this early. And Halloween does finish off the sweep. Uh, when I originally saw it as a four seed, I thought maybe a little underseated until I saw it was seated above, and I went, eh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Halloween is going to be moving on to the next round. Coming up next, uh, we have our sixth seed, the Stanley Kubrick classic. You knew it was coming. Psycho. No, obviously, that's an Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, a little throwback to the second ever episode of Pub Trivia Experience that I'll never let Chris forget. <laughs> Number six, uh, Psycho from 1960, Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece, taking on the 11th seed, uh, that I believe was mentioned earlier, The Exorcist. Uh, believe it or not, the highest grossing movie of the year 1973. It was that big. Uh, and first speaking for this matchup, I believe we are going to have Minda. Okay, I have to say I love Psycho. It is hilarious and fun and great for me. I thought it was great. I, you know, Anthony Perkins' mommy drama was something to behold. The Exorcist is far superior of a film. It was terrifying. I grew up religious in the South. It was everything that you were told was going to be bad about you if you talked during church. Like, absolutely, hands down. And The Exorcist, extremely frightening book, came through perfectly on the movie. I just, it terrifies me to this day. And Linda Blair, come on, you know, all the way The Exorcist. 
the 11 seed of the Exorcist off to an early lead. They came in fired up. Let's see if they can keep the momentum going. Chris. So I want to make something abundantly clear, and I've kept this under wraps until now. Uh, Isabel knows this, but the seedings here are all based on Rotten Tomatoes scores. That's that's how the seedings are done here, and I, I kept that under wraps for now because this isn't a contest, right? This really isn't a contest. Okay, Psycho is seminal. It's it's Stanley Kubrick's best movie. It's phenomenal. <laughs> yes, I, I can poke fun at myself for making one mistake while three or four or seven drinks in three years ago, sir. You can let it the frack go. Uh, the thing I love about Psycho is everyone loves everyone raves about Janet Lee, and that that scene is absolutely amazing. But Vera Miles in that movie is actually really solid as the sister that just won't let shit go. She's really good. I know she doesn't come into later in the film, but there's a couple of really good performances from female from actresses there in a time when they really weren't given a whole lot. Um, go back and listen to my diatribe on the worst comic book movie of all time and go listen to me talk about Jonah Hex because I go off on that there. But neither here nor there. This isn't difficult. Ellen Burstyn in The Exorcist, Linda Blair in The Exorcist. And if you're just looking at this from not the best performance, but the best movie, The Exorcist is terrifying to this day. I grew up religious. No, I'm, no I grew up from I'm from New England. I grew up religious. The Exorcist scared the shit out of me at 17 when it was re-released in the theaters. That movie is scary. Even with the take out, I don't need the whole Linda Blair walking crab walking down the stairs thing anymore, but... The movie by itself is terrible, and it's the only movie on this list where the main character literally says, your mom sucks cock in hell. Move it along. <laughs> and that may be one of the more interesting reasons in Boise Bractology history to give a uh, film a vote. But nonetheless, Exorcist does pick up its second vote and is well on its way to an upset here. Let's see if Isabel is going to get it there. Well, I already said, of course, I'm picking The Exorcist um, for the reasons mentioned and also the female characters move the plot. I know the priest is, you know, pivotal, um, but he is moved by his relationship with his mother. So I would argue that the female characters move the plot and um, and it's it's just good. You know, Psycho is good, but for all the like I said, all the reasons that have been mentioned. So thumbs up for Exorcist. Exorcist picks up its third vote, and we'll get the upset. We still want to hear from our remaining two panelists, starting with Steven. For me, this is the toughest pick in this section of the bracket. Um, Psycho is one of the most ingenious scripts in Hollywood because our main character gets killed at the end of the first act, and the only person we've really interacted with enough to care about at that point is Norman Bates. And so we end up on Norman Bates' side, and we can feel that sense of betrayal almost when it turns out that Norman is his mother. It is such a smart, smart script, so well put together, it still holds up completely today. But The Exorcist is one of those movies that taught me about film, because I saw The Exorcist when I was still fairly young. It scared the crap out of me. But I was incredibly bored with the opening shots in Iraq. And when I came back to it, I understood much more what was going on there, how they were setting up the atmospheric ideas, the fact that we had to introduce this character early of the old priest because we weren't going to see him again until much later in the film. 
it is such a smart, well-put-together film as well. The fact that every time we see Father Karras, he's walking up the steps so that we're preset to know that his final climax is going to be walking up the stairway to get to Reagan's room. It's such a smart, beautiful, well-put-together movie. I love both of these, but at the end of the day, I think Exorcist is the more quality film. And Exorcist picks up its fourth vote. Jenna, do we have a sweep? I think we have a sweep. I love both of these movies. This is maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think Psycho represents such a tremendous marketing success that that almost overshadows the film that itself itself. Not that it wasn't, you know, this very well written, very well executed, um, and kind of a, like a important in the field of special effects a little bit. That was the first known instance of chocolate syrup blood. <laughs> So uh, that's not nothing. But um, The Exorcist, yeah, it's just, it's got staying power. That just remains terrifying. Um, Everyone in it got hurt making it. Uh, Poor Linda Blair. Uh, This movie ruined her life because, yeah, yeah, she was forevermore the, the scary girl from The Exorcist. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it, it did spawn to at least two unwatchable sequels, but um, that original, we need a, we need a young priest and an old priest. I got to give it to the exorcist. Exorcist finishes off the sweep, taking down psycho, uh, apparently being the first movie ever to show a flushing toilet. Just doesn't really get you a whole lot in this bracket, which frankly, understandable. Moving on to our next matchup, we're going to be starting back over at the top of our panelist list with Chris, and Chris gets to decide between these two films. Will it be the number three seed of the original Night of the Living Dead from 1968, or the 14th seed, the original Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954? Actually, that might not be the original, but the the 1954 version of Creature from the Black Lagoon, the best one. (laughs) Chris. Uh, so creature, the, creature from the black. The beer's kicking in, by the way. Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, has a very special place in my heart because it was shot. At least the underwater scenes were shot outside of Tallahassee, Florida. Um, I've been swimming in the 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 freshwater area. I forget what they're called, but the freshwater uh, lake or stream that that was shot in. I've been swimming there, and it's weird because you can actually there's no nothing stopping you from the alligators. And I love that movie. I really do. But I kind of come back to... This is what kills me. If we're looking at what's the better film, that's actually probably the better film. But influence matters. Uh, Social commentary, in an effect, matters. And I don't think you get more social commentary to Creature from the Black Lagoon than you get get out of Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, social commentary is all over the place. George Romero as heavy-handed as he may be throughout the entirety of his career, might be at his peak social commentary with casting a, a, a an African-American man as the lead in the movie. And what bothers me about having to pick this, and I'm going to pick Night of the Living Dead, but I don't think there's a strong female character, and it killed me to even include it on the list because the female characters there are very passive. I think, um, I'm going to look up her name real quick. Uh, Marilyn Eastman, I think, is the closest thing to a strong female character coming from that movie. And she kind of stood up to her husband before she died. So I guess that counts. But I I included it on the list. I have a little bit of regret about that. But it's the better film. 
It really is. And it's way more influential than Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, move Night of the Living Dead along. And Night of the Living Dead picks up a slightly begrudging vote, but those count just the same as regular votes. So it takes an early lead as we head over to Isabel. I have to fess up that I haven't seen Creature from the Black Lagoon in a really long time. So I, this is one of the ones where I don't have a real super strong opinion. I'm going with uh, Night of the Living Dead just because it has zombies and uh, zombies are a thing for me. So that's cool. And it did have a lot of influence over the years. And um, the ending is really unexpected, I think. Mm. So um, I agree, though, there's not the women characters are not particularly, you know, exciting. But I'm going with Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead picks up its second vote. And we're going to head over to Steven next. Yeah. This was a weird one to see on the list, uh, Night of the Living Dead um, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon, the women are there to be abducted, and the main female character in Night of the Living Dead goes catatonic for an act. She's so traumatized by losing her brother that Barbara just kind of is passively there and barely responds. But she does come in to her own. She matures as a character. Um, She doesn't survive the film, obviously. But there is something there. If we're judging these based on more interesting female characters, I think Night of the Living Dead has the edge there. And frankly, it is just the better film. I I don't think, like of all the classic universal horror monsters, the the creature from the Black Lagoon is very, very low on my list. Um, So... Night of the Living Dead is going to get my vote here. It's a better film. It looks better. And there's just more to it. Night of the Living Dead picks up its third vote. We'll be moving on to the next round to take on The Exorcist, in which should be a very interesting matchup. Uh, but we do want to hear from our remaining panelists, starting with Jenna. So from an effects perspective, I think these both have a lot of merit, and they both did a lot with a little. Um, Night of the Living Dead is just, it's very important um, socially. I think it's fallen into public domain, so I like that it's the movie playing on the TV screen in all the movies. Um, and I like it so much that I named my cat Barbara because of Night of the Living Dead, and I like to chase her around the house yelling, I'm coming to get you, Barbara. So it's it's a no-brainer for me. That's awesome. Night of the Living Dead picks up its fourth vote. Minda, do we have another sweep on our hands? I I hate this one. I'm going to say I hate it because it's not really fair. You're comparing a 1950s horror film with almost a 1970s horror film. So the genre was just kind of getting on its feet or fins in this case. And I am from Florida. I grew up around the spring. So obviously Creature from the Black Lagoon played heavily in my little kid mind when I'm out there swimming in the springs. Night of the Living Dead. Yes, I think I'm going to go not with that. I'm going to go with Creature of the Black Lagoon. Yes, the damsel in distress thing is happening. May not be considered a strong female lead, but given the time, you know, it's just what was played out right then. So I know I have no shot at this, but I'm throwing my vote. Creature of the Black Lagoon. I don't even see a timer. So that's what I'm going to say. Hold you know, on. Hold it. on. Where from Florida? Are you near Wakulla Springs? So you're in Clearwater. I'm from Citrus County. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I'm the next one up from you. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Citrus County. I mean, it's. 
We have springs. We have manatees. You do. You, I, I went to the, the film was actually shot out, out in Wakulla Springs in Tallahassee, outside Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I've been drinking, so nope. take it away. No, you, you're you're good. Any anytime people can speak about uh, Florida in a positive manner, you know, they get enough they get enough negative press. It's both. It's been football season, so the only thing good I can say about Tallahassee right now is we have Wakulla Springs. Go ahead. Speaking speaking of horror, right? Now, the less said about that, the better. Sorry, Chris. Uh, moving on. Uh, so, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, they did throw up a couple shots there at the end, managed to narrowly cover the spread, avoid the sweep, but Night of the Living Dead will be moving on. Our next matchup, we're going to be starting with Isabel here. Uh, I will refrain from making a second Hitchcock Kubrick joke and at Chris's uh, expense. Uh, the number seven seed is another Hitchcock classic, The Birds, which happens to be the reason that my wife is terrified of birds to this day. Uh, taking on the number 10 seed of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Isabel, take it away. Well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is fun. Um, I'm going with The Birds. I think it has obviously a more full story. It does that amazing thing of making you afraid of an everyday creature. And the um, the scenes where the, the birds are attacking and have attacked are, are pretty vicious. They're pretty intense. And uh, a lot of good hairstyles and outfits. And uh, I think the, the women character in the birds, characters are, are more compelling and um, have more to say. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's... I, like I said, the thing that it does the most is makes you make people afraid of of birds, which is um, pretty intense. Believe me, if it does advance, uh, I'm sure Nikki will have much more to say about it uh, when she comes back to host in the next round. But the birds does pick up its first vote. Uh, let's check in with Steven next. Where's the indie? The birds is a great two thirds of a film. Uh, but then it just ends and they drive away. And it's, where are they driving to? Are all the birds? It, 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 it makes no sense. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as far as I'm concerned, it's a one-scene film. It's the dinner scene. That's why I paid my money to watch that film. I don't really care too much about the lead-up. I don't think there's much going on. I don't really care about the resolution because, frankly, I don't think the, the, the main character we're following, the Survivor Girl, is worth anything. The Birds is a greater technical achievement. Uh, it's much more atmospheric. Uh, it, it's much better written. It's the better movie. It's an incomplete movie, but honestly, I would rather watch The Birds than wait around for the one really good dinner scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm going to actually cast my vote for The Birds and wish that it had an ending. The Birds. <laughs> and The Birds picks up its second vote. Let's head to Jenna next. Okay, I'm not disputing that The Birds is the better movie. However... After you see the behind the scenes, once you see those birds on the wire trailing the coat, it's like the curtain has been lifted. You can't unsee how they did that. And I remember being so freaked out by it as a kid. And then it was like, oh, they're, they're just they're just hooked to you. But um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has one of the most nuanced movie villains of that era, I think, in terms of like motivation, um, I think it could even be argued that that's a like a precursor for the Buffalo Bill character in Silence of the Lambs. 
And even though the female characters in Texas Chainsaw aren't super well developed, like I, I couldn't tell you her name or really much about her, but it does give you that final girl trope. And honestly, for the longest time, part of that final girl trope is that there's nothing terribly important about you other than you're hot and you lived. So I think that's an important stepping stone. And I don't care. I would just, yeah, I'm in it for the dinner scene, but I'm in it for the dinner scene. So I've got to give it to Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw Massacre not going down without a fight as it picks up its first vote against the birds. Minda, how close of a matchup is this going to be? Is Texas Chainsaw Massacre going to push this to another buzzer beater? Nope. Not on my watch. (laughs) I love it. Listen, listen, I'm just going to tell you. The freaking birds, man. Like, I know, like Jenna said, and I agree, like, yes, it's terrifying. And then you see the wires later when you're older. But still, the trauma, the trauma that you received as a kid, it's still in there. I'm still scared of that stuff. And I love it. Like, it's the best kind of fun, styly, like that cool 1960s style looking stuff. I love the birds. I, I'm not an expert. I can't say, like, which horror, like, horror part is better. I just freaking love Hitchcock and the birds. So that's my vote. And the birds picking up its third vote. We'll be moving on to the round of 32. Let's see how much of a runaway this is going to be and check in with Chris. Yeah, I don't have to say a whole lot here. I, I don't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sorry. I'm not. Same thing with Carrie. I'm not waiting around for one damn scene. And Leatherface is just, I get it that he's kind of tied in with, with Michael Myers and and Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees, but of the four like big slasher villains, I, I could give a shit. I don't care. I I just I really I, I've never identified with any part of any of those films, and I've seen most of them. It's not my cup of tea. The Birds is Alfred Hitchcock. Maybe it's not even at his best because like there's Vertigo. Like Vertigo's a, a near perfect film, but it's still it's classic Alfred Hitchcock. It's it's a master class in shot selection. It's a master class in how to do a little with no, no special effects short of a mechanical bird. The the only thing that bugs me about the birds is that scene in the middle of the lake with the boat. And I, I don't know. I'm going with the birds. I, I think it, it's, I actually think it's actually more meaningful. I, I I think it's been more influential in, in, in modern cinema. I think it's more influential in pop culture, and you can call me a liar if you want because, hey, there's never been a Halloween Horror Nights haunted house about the birds, but there's been multiple about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a better film, though. Steven's right. It's it's an incomplete film. Had Alfred Hitchcock gone and filmed his version of the final, which is the Golden Gate Bridge covered in birds, I'd love that. But the birds is a better movie. and Just screw Leatherface. I don't care. The Birds picking up its fourth vote uh, to move on to the next round. I just want to say real quick, though, I'm trying to envision a Halloween Horror Nights haunted house centered around the birds. And that would probably be the scariest freaking thing because you'd have things flying at you from all different. Ordinarily, it's just people and you can see them coming. I don't know how they would do that with the birds, but I think it would creep me out. They would throw (laughs) Cheetos at your feet. What's that? (laughs) I'm sorry, I missed I missed that. Kristen. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh man. I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh <laughs> we got we are down to our final matchup of the evening, really, already. 
that is amazing. We've got we've had a lot of tough matchups so far. I'm curious to see how this one is going to go. We have our two seed of the original King Kong, the classic from 1933, taking on the 15th seed of I Spit on Your Grave, the original that came out in 1978. And first up, I believe we have Steven. King Kong 1932 is a great film. Uh, it, it legitimately, you can understand why it captured audiences in 32 and why it's still captures audiences today uh, obviously the claymation doesn't hold up that great and you know the special effects are dated but it still gets across what it's trying to get across and it's a legitimately good story and it's an original story that should be praised uh i spit on your grave is a movie that a lot of people have never seen well there was a remake so they've probably heard of it um but it's the much better film. Uh, if we want to talk about what horror truly is, I spit on your grave. I can't imagine going through a worse scenario than what happens to the lead character in that movie. Um, you know, it's got its issues, particularly when we get to the later half and we're in the revenge part. We killed the leader of the rape gang, like second and not last. It feels like that should be the culmination feels like the last shot of the movie should be her in the rocking chair playing the record. Uh, but other than that, I, I Spit on Your Grave is the most brutal thing I've seen in any of the films on this list because it just doesn't end. It keeps going, and every time you think she's got away and is able to move on, they come back, and it happens again, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And... I think more people need to see this film because I think it's legitimately really, really well made for the time. I hate to push King Kong out early because it's such a seminal, important film to just cinema in general. But the better horror movie with a strong female in it, I spit on your grave, 1978. And every now and then in these tournaments, you get a really low seed that comes out storming out with a lot of energy early. And in this case, it is, I spit on your grave, picking up a first vote from Steven. Let's see if they can keep the momentum going and bring down the Colossus, the, the King Kong two seed. Jenna, what do you say? I have to agree. And not just in the spirit of the bracket, that is one of the most visceral gritty movies I have ever seen in my entire life. I think it holds some kind of cinematic record for the longest rape scene. And it is hard to watch. Um, but I think it's done. It's treated in a way that women don't usually win in that exploitation genre. Um, and I don't even know if I would loop this in with that, but there's a lot of films that come out of this era that kind of like um, Herschel Gordon Lewis vibe where it's like ass kicking women or, you know, Amazons or things with like Nazi or prison themes, but they're not, they're for men. They're not for women. And I think that this is one of those rare, like actually satisfying revenge tales that deals with a, a real threat instead of kind of a metaphorical threat. So I, no offense to King Kong, but yeah, it's a, that's a landslide for me. And I spit on your grave definitely has some serious energy coming out of the locker room. They're almost heading into the half. They're up two votes to nothing. Minda, what's it look like? 
I I love King Kong. I love any kind of big monster movie, but this is the, you know, strong female character horror movies. And between those two, I mean, there's no comparison. It's going to have to be I Spit on Your Grave. I don't have the technical knowledge to back that up, but that's what I'm going with. What I like. And I Spit on Your Grave picking up a third vote. Did we have a situation where maybe the seniors had just aged out of the game a little too bit and the upstart freshman came out and just started firing buckets on them? I don't know, but I Spit on Your Grave is out to a commanding three to nothing lead already moving on. Let's see just how big of a blowout this is going to be of the number two seed. Chris. I'm going to say this out loud and I feel guilty for saying it. And it by it, it's by design. I can't watch that subject matter in a movie. I can't. It, it it's it, and it's not just because I'm a father, it's because I'm a freaking human being. It it I it, it just makes me so angry. But I think there's something very valid in what happens in King Kong because you have this it's it's you have this monster that only one person understands and they're trying like hell to get a situation to stop and they're not able to. And you see where you see where it just gradually builds. It gradually builds until tragedy happens. King Kong is taken out of his element. And the only, only being that understands him is the person he's holding captive. And it's not Stockholm syndrome. Like she actually understands what's happening and is trying to get this to stop. And all this coming from a movie in the freaking 30s it's not fair i get that like i i will never ever ever go back and watch any iteration of i spit on your grave and that's that's fine i've seen it once i never need to see it again it's a seminal film i get that i can't watch it again i still love watching the original king kong though i genuinely claymation and all i think it's an entertaining film i if it's on tcm i'm leaving it on so king kong gets my vote well, King Kong is not going down without a fight as it does pick up its first vote. Uh, Isabel, how close is this going to be? Well, I like King Kong. It is good. I'm going with I Spit on Your Grave um, for the reasons that Jenna mentioned. It And it is a really brutal film to watch, but it does spark conversations. And um, that's really unusual for horror films to do that. Um, so that... That makes it important to me, and I agree it is really hard to watch. It's not, um, and that's part of its strength, I think, that it's hard to watch. So, I Spit on Your Grave. And I Spit on Your Grave does pick up its fourth votes for our by far our biggest upset of the night. Uh, I, I'm kind of in Chris's boat, personally. It's just a, it's a movie that I've always been, like, it's not that I don't, I mean, it is that I don't want to see it, but I do feel like I need to see it. I just never have actually gotten up the gumption to endure it. But I do think that there are a lot of valid points being made about how in a way that makes it a very important movie. And I will be very interested to see how it does in the next round. And we ladies and gentlemen have reached the end of the first round. We've reached the end of this particular region's episode we've solidified our round of 32 and if i may recap for just a moment we had our number one seed of alien 
uh, and it's going to be taking on the number nine seed of Suspiria in the next round. We'll also have the number five seed of Rosemary's Baby taking on the number four seed of Halloween. Neither one of those matchups were particularly close. Nor was this next matchup, which was actually an upset as the 11 seed, The Exorcist, took out Psycho while Night of the Living Dead made easy work of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Those two will be facing off as well. And as you just heard, I spit on your grave with a tremendous upset as a 15 seed taking down the number two seed, the big gorilla of King Kong. It will be taking on the number seven seed of the birds in the next round. We hope to see you then. Uh, until then, uh, if you like what we're doing here, if you're enjoying the content that we're providing, uh, there's a couple things you can do. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. Uh, that is for Pub Trivia Experience, our sister podcast we've mentioned a couple times tonight, and, of course, Boozy Bracketology. Uh we have a lot of bonus content there. For example, Boozy Revisited. At the end of every month, we bring back some panelists and some other regulars, and we look back on the bracket that was uh, just done, and we figure out what decisions we got wrong, what we would have maybe put on instead, and just you know, kind of do a little bit of a hindsight is 2020 thing. It's always a really interesting time to uh, get to look back on that. It's great times, uh, but hey. Look, if you can't can't support on Patreon, I totally get that. Uh, you know, that's times are hard for everybody right now. If you could just leave us a five star review, that would be wonderful. Wherever you listen to podcasts, because uh, we really enjoy and do enjoy putting this on, but it is a lot of work, and we would really appreciate knowing that you like what we're doing here. Uh, and thanks, of course, as always for listening. A couple other ways you can engage with us: we are, of course, on the socials. We're at Boozy Bracketology, except on Twitter, we're Boozy Brackets. Uh, they just we were just shy of uh, the character limitations there. And you can also uh, come visit us on the Lounge at on Facebook. That is our forum for fans of pub trivia experience and boozy bracketology. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Next episode, we will be taking on eighties and nineties horror movies with strong female leads. Uh, until then I have been your host, Mike. I'm Chris. I'm Isabel. I've been Steven. I'm Jenna. I'm Minda from dead girls talking podcast. Have a great night, everybody.